landscape is a people power struggle. More often than not, job preservation is job one for a practitioner. Sadly, athletes and teams don't often move forward. They spend years mired in mediocrity with the common existence of a noted single line of commentary. That's the way we've always done it. You'll hear that sentence ring throughout team buildings, often from coaches, athletic trainers, strength and conditioning staff, and even front office personnel. In 2013, I was charged with selecting a performance team for emerging technology company, Catapult Sports. The very first thing I knew is I needed a team of individuals that could not only be change agents through technology, but those who also operated as servant leaders to the professionals that they were interacting with. My team needed to enable coaches to see that their status quo wasn't exactly helping team evolution. I needed someone who knew the sport of football and someone of the highest integrity to carry that message forward. So, wow, was I lucky to be introduced to Roderick Moore Jr. Roderick transcended Catapult in 2018, working with force production technologies such as Sparta Science and Volt before landing his current role as assistant strength coach for the Atlanta Falcons. We caught up with Roderick in Atlanta at a time when time is a scarce commodity. Roderick took our call from the trenches of the off weight room office, where he was also watching his staff and athletes carefully from afar. So in this interview, you're going to hear the odd dumbbell hit the floor and we said we were going to take you into the trenches of sports, right? But more importantly, you'll hear from a man who is passionate about his role, incredibly humble giving credit to those surrounding him, and you'll hear about how Roderick is becoming the experts in the Falcons building on this increasingly important athlete metric known as force. Hear how he plans to integrate a common language through the Falcons team and staff. If you're an NFL fan in 2021, watch the Falcons closely because this addition to their staff is an incredible one. Roderick, welcome. Thank you. To the Human Kinesome Podcast, mate. It's great to see you. Absolutely. Likewise. Been a long yeah, time. Yeah, mate. It's... Especially with this pandemic. Oh, my God. Right. I mean, you know, are you Zoomed to death? Are you right. absolutely Zoomed out? Uh, definitely. And Zoomed to death and also proficient in Zoom. And well, you know, yeah. you think, I think about before starting here, you know, Florida Branch, you think we saw each other at uh, Major League uh, Winter Meetings. And that was yes. in December of 19. And so it's only a, a year and a half ago, but it feels like two and a half years. God, doesn't it? Yeah. And it all kind of, you know, it, it's hard when you don't have those seasons, right? And you don't have them in right. sports and you miss those milestones and miss those right. events. But, mate, I, I remember back too, and the guys in marketing over at Kinetics were asking me how we know each other. Mm. And so I had to tell them the story. I said, look, I was a rookie with Catapult with a really big title. And I'm walking into the University of Tennessee with Jason That's McVay, right? right? right. Catching up with him. Yeah. And uh, we're about to present the catapult technology to uh -huh. the uh, football team. And right. we had all the coaches in this one place. And as I stood in the outskirts watching, you know, kind of the coaching, the layout, you know, we were working in the indoor facility, which was going to be challenging for our GPS tech in the uh -huh. beginning phases uh -huh. of that. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was looking through the weight room. I watched this group of coaches just hanging on every single word you said. And I was like, man, who is that guy? And then you came over and introduced yourself. And I thought, oh, man, we've connected on LinkedIn. 
prior right, to this. And, right. and you work yes. for Cybex. I used to be the director of education for Cybex. Right. And we started talking and then two a man coaches immediately mm-hmm. afterwards came up to me and said how good you were at educating them and how important you were for that institution and their, um, their learning. And so as soon as we had an opportunity to catapult, mate, you were my first phone call. No, I appreciate it. You know, the opportunity. I remember that day like yesterday it was you and Ethan in the weight room in Tennessee. I That's remember right, I was. coming over. I was at Cybex checking in because they had yep. just purchased an ARC trainer. And so That's we were right. talking about that. And then yeah. I saw the C on your hat. And I was like, you Gary McCoy? Because I, I remember you look familiar from LinkedIn. That's he was right. like, yeah, okay. He was like, yeah, Roger. Yeah. Uh, so it was yeah. It was funny how, yes. how it worked out, the iron. It's like one of those dating games on TV, right? One of those weird dating games. <laughs> and we don't have to right. go down that right. rabbit hole. But um, yeah, mate, it was uh, like, a, me too, I remember it like it was yesterday. But uh, I mean, Catapult, I think for both of us, was our first journey into technology, Absolutely. right? And leveraging technology. I mean, I came at it because of the subjectivity I was dealing with in baseball, predominantly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You'd get statements from a coach like, he's out of shape. He doesn't right. look like he can do this. And there were all this subjective data. And I really right. wanted something objective. What drove you into, like, even wanting to, like, when I called you and said, hey, man, mm-hmm. I'd love you to come and work with us. How do you make that decision to work with a tech company? I'll tell you. I think it was a very similar situation. You know, I was coaching at Tennessee for 10 years, mm-hmm. was down as a head strength coach at FIU for five. And when I was at FIU, I remember having a conversation with our head football coach. We were talking about conditioning on what guys need to condition and what guys don't. And I was like, coach, you know, our skill guys and even our combo um, felt like they didn't need the condition. We were running a lot. Yeah. We were on turf. It's 90 degree weather. It was almost 100% humidity. You know, right. we want guys to maintain their weight, but we're expending, expending so much energy, then how is that possible? So I went to Kmart and, you know, I'm dating myself, but Kmart, you know, is no longer <laughs> in business. So I went down to Kmart, got some pedometers, put it on a couple guys. So I put it on a skill guy who's in the NFL. He ran like two point or actually 3.2 miles that day. It was spring practice, which is a moderate practice. Wow. Yeah. So then we had a DB that ran three miles. Uh, or sorry, a receiver ran 3.2, DB ran three, and then a, a linebacker that ran like 2.8. And so this wow. was a moderate day. So I showed that to coach, the predominant. He was like, okay, I get it. They ran that much in the spring. Okay, so yeah, that's not condition. And so yeah. when you think about that, using a predominant, which isn't as accurate as a GPS oh technology, God, yeah. going to Catapult, and I learned about Catapult and the history, you know, uh, how Australians are so much further ahead than us in America. I was like, man, it would be great to, if I had that technology when I was coaching, I would have been better, you know, at least to get an idea of what our athletes are doing. We kind of know distance because you, you're calculating yeah. the distance when you're, when you're talking about uh, conditioning or speed work, yeah. you know how much distance an athlete will run, but then you don't know how much work they accumulate, you know, from a player exactly. level. You don't know their velocity exactly. So, or even yep. more importantly, as you go through it, their high intensity X sales, D sales, and they change directions right and left. Those are important, you know. And so, it, not only is that technology huge for a coach, it helps, um, I think, support your coaching eye at the same time, which you may know, which you may not know. So, there's, you know, there's so many stories that go. Yeah, oh, there into is, and, and mate, you don't get enough credit for what you did over at Catapult to alter the narrative in professional football and even in collegiate football. And you were part of, like, was you, I, and Ben Peterson, Dr. Ben Peterson from the San Francisco 49ers that would put our heads around data and, and just try to posture questions. 
right? And one of the things I would say, I remember having this discussion, I think it was walking over to surf lessons in Hawaii at our first right. Uh, right. Pro Bowl event. And I remember having that discussion. I said, guys, look, our job isn't really to answer questions right now. It's ask better questions. You know, if we can just ask a better set of questions around like what you're indicating, conditioning, Absolutely. right? What does that mean? And, 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 yes. and, and, and what do we... What does a game look like? Do we even know the game conditions? And so the learnings I think we had collectively around that product of which you were a huge part of. I remember, I just remember you in meetings, buddy. I remember when Roderick was quiet, shut up, because something good's coming out of his mouth in a second. <laughs> you know, there's so many great times that, that we had, especially on the road. I remember being down that ACC team in Florida, you know, you connected with one strength coach, gave him a book. I mean, it was like a uh, religious experience. And then I remember being, it was. you know, professional football team, speaking with yeah. the GM, the head coach, the, the owner. So you get those those great experiences, um, which, you know, change you in, in life. And, mm. and one thing you yeah. said, especially with the questions, was a lot of time coaches would ask me, like, hey, you know, I hear Catapult to make you soft, make your team soft. Like, you make your team soft, not Catapult. Exactly. You know, you determine how you use this data. You're going to use it to, to yeah. say, all right, you're not practicing today, or you're going to use it to say, hey, can I push an athlete a little harder? Or if I think I'm running an up-tempo practice, is it really up-tempo, or am I doing more work in pre-practice than I am in team? Yeah. So, you know, that's that's what you want to answer those questions. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, that's the beauty of the of technology. It changes the discussion from subjective to objective. Right. I mean, it takes it takes it down that pathway. Where have you seen with let's talk about tech technology and, and, and your journey on this technology path? I mean, after Catapult, of which you succeeded immensely in helping that company go public in Australia, and it was all based around just really solid education with information. Mm-hmm. We were enabling coaches and we were enabling practitioners to get better. And the evolution of that was athlete performance, right? We started right. to see decrease in injuries in the NFL. We started to see improvements in performance for the people who really applied that information well. Mm-hmm. But when you left Catapult, you went into a, went to a couple of mm-hmm. different companies, but on a, on a technology journey that was more related to force production, right? So right. Was, that, was, that a, was that a choice or was it just an opportunity or did you see something in force that you really wanted to understand more? I think it was a little, a little of both. Uh, because, you know, there's opportunity. I enjoyed my time at Catapult, but I, I felt like, you know, I wanted to learn more about something different, you know, like yeah. Force Place. Yeah. Now, Force Place has been around for, for decades, but it was becoming more popular here, you know, domestically. And so I had an opportunity to join Sparta. Um, and, and I'll say Sparta was a good experience because it's like an introductory to, to Force Plate, you know, technology. It kind of yeah. takes out the the scientific part for you and it, it makes it easier, you know, so to speak. But there's also positives and negatives to that. You know, you're limited to the number of tests that you have, but you get kind of a blueprint on determining if there's a uh, athlete injury risk, you know. So can we mitigate that? You know, everybody's talking about AI, artificial intelligence, this and that. But we're still trying to work through that narrative, you know, to determine what's true and what's not. And then after that, joined a company, uh, Australia-based company called Vault Performance. And so Vault had recently purchased Forstex. And so right. that the technology evolved with your Nord board, which measures your eccentric hamstring strength. Um, you have your force frame, which at the time was called groin bar, measures your internal, yeah. external hip, you know, uh, strength as well as shoulder, 
elbow, ankle, I mean, various joints that you can get force production, you know, measurements from. In addition to that, human track, which is more motion capture. And like I said earlier, um, force decks, but then even more recently, air bands, you know, blood flow restriction wow. now, huge yeah. thing that's yeah. coming coming about. So it was a great experience at both companies, but then Vault really showed me, kind of educated me on force uh, plates because now Got you're it. looking at, you know, let's let's calculate a dynamic strength index by performing an isometric thigh pull and doing a counter movement jump. So using reactive strength index, dynamic strength index, and then visiting different schools, organizations, professional teams that use it. They use it for fatigue monitoring. They use it for readiness. And so you know, it was great to witness that. How often teams use it? Some use it more as a as a um, as a assessment than using it as performance. Um, so it was a great experience overall. So now that gives me the opportunity to bring those ideas here. Well, that's the thing. I mean, so you you so you land with the Atlanta Falcons, which is a significant opportunity um, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. just to to be in the door with an NFL team and to be right. able to take this collective knowledge. It's like having a really nice paid master's degree in technology and applied mm-hmm. sports science. Right. There's a big difference between sports science and applied sports science, right. as we know, right? Absolutely. That data's got to transact somewhere. So Absolutely. with all that knowledge you're bringing in and you're developing profiles around the athlete, mm-hmm. how difficult is it or have you found, you know, it's, oh, I know it's only been a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Has it been difficult to create a language around force or force production that you can share with position coaches, with a head coach, with anybody else in the organization. How have you found that trajectory so far? I would say right now, you know, there's still an educational component to it. We haven't discussed much of the force data with our coaches. Uh, It's been more internally with our strength and conditioning staff. You know, that's headed by Dr. Thomas Stallworth. And so we really will use any of the technology for us to help us, whether support what we're doing or also – um, be an antagonist to say, okay, how can we get better in certain areas? Right. Whether if it's you're using a Nord board or using force plates or using GPS to see how we can better ourselves in order to better our athletes. But, you know, with Coach Smith and, and Terry Fontenot and Rich McKay, all of those guys support, you know, our initiative because they have to give the approval for us to use different technology. Uh, but yeah. so I think once we get down that road, we really want to educate and say, hey, here's why we're doing it. This is the reason why and this is how it can benefit us. And so, yep. you know, really right now we're just kind of using it internally. But the athletes have, have responded great. You know, they see that's awesome. what I've learned over the past, you know, years being in sports technology on the other side of it is that teams that use it the best, they have transparency with the athletes. They tell them like, hey, this is what we're doing and why we're doing it. Because if you don't, then like anyone, you, you're going to clam yeah. up, shell up. So it's about that communication with the athletes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably the most important process. And uh, our good friend, Dr. Ben Peterson, talked about, I think he even brought this up on the uh, Sport Techie um, discussion. He said right. he used the terminology, he said it's common language in right. morphing that into a culture, which mm-hmm. common language immediately begins that de-siloing. Of right. of of right. inside of a team, right? And then Very you true. can put systems in place mm-hmm. and transparently and openly communicate that to the mm-hmm. end goal of an athlete centric model. To right. me, that's the brilliance of what you're doing. And I think we're at a point in the evolution of sports performance where we're seeing that opportunity emerge. And you're right in the middle of one. 
I think right. um, with you being where you are today, that is going to be the, part of the success of the Atlanta Falcons. What barriers do you see right now? Are you seeing any, and we don't have to talk about internal barriers. Well, I mean, what is it? Is it communication? I mean, is, is it's a pretty big thing, right? How you communicate, when you communicate. Um, like last thing you want to do is tell an, an athlete he's crap after a crap practice, right? I right, mean, right. so how do you how do you pull all that together? Do you call on your own experience for communication, or are you looking at best practices? Yeah, I would definitely would say it's both. You know, my experience, experience of uh, Dr. Stallworth, experience of Bobby Thomas, other assistant, mm-hmm. you know, experience of the athletic training staff that's that's led by Jake File and um, Ari, Danny, you know. And, and Jamal. So, you know, you talked about silos. And, yeah. and I think about that from a college standpoint. You go around, you visit different facilities, even professional standpoint, you would see silos. But the teams that were more successful didn't have those silos. And a lot of times, as you look on the college campuses, you have access to analytics and, and different organizations that want to look at your data, break it down, and just go, you know, nerd, nerd out. Um, and people aren't taking advantage of it. You know, on the professional level, you have all of that here. So there there are no silos really with our working together because we're all on the same team. You know, we want to yep. work and, and accomplish the same goal. And so we've used the communication. We meet as a staff to talk about how we communicate certain things. And with that, by communicating together as a staff has helped us communicate better to, to the athletes. So we're all on the same accord. We're not saying, okay, hey, if you do a Nord board and you have a, 10% asymmetries, like, oh, it's the end of the world, you're going to get injured. Like, no, nah, we all have asymmetries. Let's just work on it. this now knows we may want to pinpoint one side versus the other to kind yeah. of reduce that, that asymmetry. Yeah, exactly. And is and for your position, is that asymmetry a limiting factor? It's like that old story about um, Ethan and I, Ethan Owens, our tech at Catapult mm-hmm. when we were first with the Miami Dolphins and uh, watching Mike Pouncey operate as a center and seeing that you know, I think it was something to the effect of, uh, I think it was 78% of his moves were one way versus the other. And he had this right. gross asymmetry as a center. And at right. the time, I didn't know a lot about, you know, the offensive line. I'm trying to ask mm-hmm. questions. Uh, why does that exist? And we thought maybe he's recovering from injury. What we figured out is he built up that asymmetry as a left tackle all the way through mm-hmm. high school and college. Right. And then all of a sudden, right. you put him into this now duality of movement practice. And it's it, there's a risk there. Right. So mm-hmm. I think asymmetry is probably outside of the performance aspect. It's one of the most underlooked at areas for preventable injury reduction is certainly asymmetry. Absolutely. Which goes into, you know, force plays. And I, and I remember the great story when you met with our one of our guys up north in the NBA team and he was looking at conditioning, looking at practice and determined like, wait a minute, over 70 percent of the athletes, they're running backwards or, or performing a change of direction. But all I'm doing is just exactly. letting your straight ahead conditioning. So that changes exactly. your mindset, you know, and your approach. Because you think like, hey, I'm doing this, this different things to make the athlete better, prolong his or her career. But now, okay, now I'm enlightened and I understand it's more to it. You know, there's another layer. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Buddy, what's missing right now? If you had to say, if you could wave a magic wand, and you could say, here is, it's not even a technology, but here's a set of data that I think would be instrumental. I wish I knew X about a player or X about a position or about our team in general. You could make, wave a magic wand and say, boom, there's the data. What would you want to look at? You know, I would want to look at just the reaction to, to different 
um, stimulus, whether it's mm. the weight room, it's practice, it's outside of the weight room, outside of the facility, not to get mm. too personal, you know, in their life, but just to look at, in our, you know, we always talk about it here about HRV and how that can help uh, determine that. But I would just want a, a magic wand to say, okay, this athlete has come back. He's got great recovery. He ate well, slept well, you know, no major stressors, whether it's, you know, newborn or, or disagreement with your significant other. So I want to know, hey, how are you feeling today without having yeah. to ask, answer uh, or utilize the RPE? Yeah. How um, how difficult is injury prediction from your oh, very point of view? Very difficult. Very difficult. Very difficult. You know, in one company we tried to, to get to that point. And it, there's some false positives as well as false negatives. You know, you could be right on for some and then others you can, can be completely off. You can have a guy that you think, hey, this is uh, injury-free or possibly risk of injury is, is close to zero. And that guy go and tear his ACL. You know, non-contact. So... It's extremely hard. Now, with force plates, you know, especially I know with what you're doing in kinetics, you can definitely get closer to that. But overall, it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. Mate, it's going to be really interesting when we get you get, get you some of this product to play with. And um, like I said, we won't talk about it too much here, but I'm just dying to get your feedback on on the data utilization. Not so much does the product work. And, and I, I know if it's going out of my hands into your hands, it's going to be scientifically credible. It's going to be repeatable and reliable mm-hmm. point of information. And mm-hmm. it's going to be as frictionless as I can make it personally for you right. in right. that domain. But I personally can't wait to get this in your hands for you to tell me where does the data make a difference? Because I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day with any technology, like I've heard people say, and this is what I heard an AFL, Australian Football League sports scientist, make a statement at a convention once, there's too much data. There's too much data. And I was like, man... For me, data's currency. It's um, either you don't know where to spend it or you don't know how to spend it or you don't know that it's valuable, right? You don't know where where the value is. I agree. Data is currency. You know, why would you say, hey, there's too much? It's really on how you use it because you want to have that depth, that that breadth of knowledge um, in the background so that you can always refer to it. You don't have to just... I, I would say a lot of times, you know, people have conversation, Bob, you don't want to just bring all of this out at once. Slow yeah. drip it, you know, keep it simple, the same principles. But you can always go back and dig deeper if you want to say, okay, hey, I'm looking at this athlete and, and I see something here. Is it because of X or because of Y? So now let's yeah. dig another layer back. So you have that that currency available to you. That's important. Man, I love that term, slow drip it. That's beautiful. I mean, so like if I'm irrigating a, uh, a ranch or I'm uh, educating an athlete, slow mm-hmm. drip it, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, slow drip, the first droplet of water out of the out of the hose is probably the most important. It's probably going to have the most impact. Mm-hmm. Um, what data set do you show an athlete out of the gate? Are they looking at, are they so adept in things like payload now from catapult technology that they want to review that first? No. They want to, do they want to see speed? Do they want to see distance? They want to know load or what do they want to know? Right. I think guys, you know, equate it to your car. They look at, mm-hmm. you know, how fast you can go and how much, how many miles you have on the odometer. So it's, yeah. it's simple. Speed and distance. Yep. <laughs> guys, what it could yeah. be. How, how much yeah. they ran and how fast they go. 
So what you're saying, if your pedometers were good enough, that that's fine. <laughs> right. Go back to Kmart. Yeah. Well, hang on, we have to re, re, reinvent Kmart. I don't know, does Walmart have uh, pedometers? I don't know. But, I'm uh, sure. Amazon. They may be the ones, no. right? <laughs> that's awesome, buddy. Hey, couple of things for you, because I know we don't have a whole lot of time here, and I know you've got to um, uh, get going, get back to work, because I've pulled you away from work here. In your history so far, is there been a single athlete that you have worked with personally, or has there been an athletic performance that you have seen that still to this day, like when people ask me about either a single athlete or a single athletic performance, I know who it is right away, who I can talk about. What have you got in your background that you say, oh my God, this is the guy? Oh, I'll tell you, it's easy, easy. I remember being at FIU, you know, it's mid-major. Uh, yep. We were coming off when I joined them. There was like a 20-some game losing streak. We ended the losing streak. We were able to, you know, obviously recruiting helped. So we were able to recruit and turn the program around. And I remember we had a, a kid come in, T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. is with the Colts now. He's been oh, in wow. the league probably nine years or so. And so I remember yep. him running a 40, timed him. It's like a 4-3. I was like, okay, all right, T.Y., get your second, second rep. Runs again, same thing, 4-3. I looked to my assistant. I was like, hey, we can't mess him up. <laughs> That's it. We can't mess him up. We've got three to four years. Keep him up. We can't mess him up. And so it was very simple. You know, we want to keep him fast. We want to keep him confident. And obviously, we want to get him strong if he's a game weight, this and that. But simply put, we can't mess him up. Now, it was more, it was more colorful terms than that. But yeah. we can't mess him up. <laughs> yeah, no, mate. I know those terms. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know it well. I was, I'm wondering though, with an athlete like that, was he hitting some of those Cuban coffee shops that you and I would go to in and around FIU or Miami when we were down there? Was he hitting some of those? I doubt it because he was very finicky eater. So, nah, he, he definitely wasn't. He definitely wasn't. Uh-uh. I love it. No, that's awesome. Yeah, we all, we all have those moments. What's one moment that you have seen from a distance or, no, you saw on TV or something that you thought, you know what? I wish I was there to see that live. Is, mm. is there a memory or a moment that you would have loved wow. to have been at? That's that's huge. That's a great question. I would say, I would probably say the, the maybe basketball. It'd have to be a battle, you know, maybe Kobe and Michael back in the day. Yeah. Right. Um, just to see that. Because now when you think about it, Michael's kind of going the downhill side of his career, but Kobe was still kind of at his prime. Yeah. And, just to see that live would have been something because you know they're both competitors, they're both Hall of Famers, and what, what's a better atmosphere than that? Just one on one, you know. Even though it's a team setting, but but truly it can be a one on one in basketball. Yeah, I remember being at a Phoenix Suns game uh, with a buddy of mine. They were playing the Lakers, and it was my first live kind of time seeing Kobe Bryant live. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching his moves, but the optic I had. Shaquille O'Neal was kind of, we were like the first front row, right off the, I was watching Kobe move through Shaq's legs. That's what I was doing. Shaquille O'Neal was so tall. I was watching just this dynamic shift. Um, just an incredible athlete. And those are the ones Absolutely. we look at and we just hold them, hold them so high. Right. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. Um, what, um, what's, this, this is a question I ask frequently on this show. Um, do you see, let's, let's take the obvious, the mm-hmm. um, Atlanta Falcons out of the picture. Mm-hmm. In your time getting around this industry and working with pro teams and looking at them directly, is there any, any team 
that's coming through that you look at the people in the front office, you're looking at the strength and conditioning coaching staff, you're looking at the performance staff, you're looking at the athletic trainers, you're looking at their draft picks and saying, shit, that's going to be a dynasty one day. Hmm. Was there anybody that you looked at apart from the obvious choice, the Mm -hmm. Atlanta Falcons, Mm -hmm. that you look at and go, there's some best practice there. They look like they're going to be a dynasty one day. You know, I I'll always kind of lead toward my former teammate with, with uh, Ben out there at 49ers, you know, because obviously he came in that first year, had a lot of success. And I told him at the, at the combine, I was like, Ben, unless you win the Super Bowl, there's nothing but going downhill from here. So I was there with you, mate. We were, at, we were having dinner right. at the um, – right. uh, I was eating that meatloaf that I eat every night in Indianapolis yep. at the uh, – Weber Grill. What's a, oh, the Weber Grill. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yes. And, we, I remember you looked at it and said, if you don't win the Super Bowl next year, man, you're, right. you're going backwards. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. and they had it. They they had a tough year. And I mean, talking to Ben and getting around it, you know, the, the difficulties of COVID was was a big thing. Are you preparing for, like, and, and what are you preparing for relative to potential COVID inflections in your training schedule right now? Are you looking at those things? You know, with us, we're just really kind of abiding by the NFL um, regulations mm-hmm. and protocols. And so just continue with no. that. You know, personally, I got a vaccination, um, a lot of us staff-wise vaccinated. Yep. And so with that, you know, you kind of get at you a, a layer of protection. But yeah. otherwise, yeah. just kind of full steam ahead, but following the guidelines of the NFL and, and continue down that road. But, yeah, you, you have to yep. think in the back of your mind, kind of prepare if there's an inflection, what you will mm-hmm. do, you know, if there's in, in yep. persons versus virtual. So you always have yep. to have that in the back of your mind. Absolutely. So you always got to have plan B, plan yep. C probably mm-hmm. as well, dealing with that right now with a potential Olympics. Uh, and I say potential because we don't even know if that's going to go ahead at this right. point. Right. Um, the time of recording this at least anyway. But um, mate, I know, look, I know you're busy as heck. I know you've got, um, when do OTA start for you? When, when, when are they coming up? They're pretty yep, soon. Yeah, we're right? starting now. Starting now. Okay, yeah. beautiful. Just started. So. What's the biggest surprise you think we're going to see come out of Atlanta this year? Or who is the biggest surprise? Is there an athlete within your mixture going, hmm, Gary needs this guy on his fantasy team? <laughs> I don't know, man. Talk off line. I think, you know, I'll tell you overall, this, this team is professionals. You know, they're going to work. You know, they're, they're adjusting to us as a new staff. So it's yeah. been great um, getting to know the guys and then also working with them. So, hey, we're on the team trying to build this up like Coach Smith and, and Fano and everyone. Um, visualizes, following their lead, and, and just continue to educate and train, and you know, be, become a professional in the, in the most, the best, well-conditioned team here that we can present. You know, on Sundays or Thursdays or Mondays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love it, buddy. Look, I can't thank you enough for your time today, Roderick. I mean, I'm so excited for you and for your family and and this move you've made to Atlanta. I mean, it's just going to be phenomenal for you, and it's just all part of the journey this this journey that you're on i think to evolve athletes and and make a difference in their lives i mean you're the perfect guy for this role so congrats buddy i can't wait to uh, talk to you more as the season progresses i appreciate the words yeah no, no worries. sir i appreciate the words and thank, thanks again for inviting me love it buddy thank you so much and thank you for listening to the human kinesome project i look forward to joining you in a live conversation at discord.com.gg slash kinetics. Yes, we have a dedicated channel for you to dive a little deeper. So together, we'll be able to ask even better questions. Our music, as always, is created by the infinitely talented 
Joanna Magic. Okay, team, the game is just beginning. If you 